Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by our panel of newbies. Say hello, panel. Hey, everybody. Panel. Uh, we've got a little bit of an emaciated panel today. Uh, just just three joining us. Uh, hear, hearing very <laughs> emaciated there. Yeah, yeah, sounding very emaciated there. That is uh, Greg, not David, Greg. <laughs> hello there. Also joining us is Samaria. Hi, everybody, again. And Siobhan. Hey, everybody. Hey, uh, so how's everybody doing? Daylight savings it's... time is kicking my ass. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. God it's a Sunday. <laughs> Y'all have that in Canada? Yes, and we actually moved ours to coincide with the states when... when uh, Bad idea. I <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to know everything there is to know about Canadian fucking politics, it's about how we lockstep <laughs> our daylight savings time to torture our citizens because the states is doing it. <laughs> but like, is is their justification like, oh, it's easier, guys? Or they're like, mm. yeah, it's because um, okay. we basically U.S. markets and Canadian markets line up that way. But we do have one province who just said, fuck this, and that's Saskatchewan. Oh, like Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arizona. Indiana. And Indiana, Indiana has its own thing going on. Yeah, and I think Hawaii is, is off of daylight savings also. Isn't there, like, one state where, like, you've got a town that crosses the border, and so half of the city has daylight savings time and the other doesn't? Probably. I, I know that. I know that does happen in Texas. There's uh, like where the border crosses at Clovis, New Mexico. Half of the city is, you know, suburbs are spread out to the Texas side. And that's where that's where the line is. Hmm. That's got to be fun. Line. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, with all of that fun discussion. <laughs> hey, it's time. Yeah. It's relevant. It, it is relevant. It's relevant to this point time in time. Really. And, and hopefully people only listen to it at this point in time. And if this know. episode is also, especially punchy, to- you'll know why. <laughs> this episode is wheel. Of, it, it is a wheel of time. Yeah, so that's, that's time. The very true. It lines very up. true. And yeah, I think that's also why we, we're missing uh, a few people and, and, Possibly why we're so punchy. So let's uh, let's stop being punchy and just try to get right into this, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, so we're talking about episode two, Shadows Waiting. This is uh, our redux, our second watch in anticipation of season two. So we're going to see, now that our panel has a little more knowledge under their belts, we're going to see what shakes loose on this second watch. So we start with our cold open where we have uh, Eamon Valda et al. All of our. Well, it's not cold for everyone. That's true. It's, it, 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 it gets quite warm by the end of the open. Uh, and we see uh, our, our good friend Eamon Valda um, having some nice squab, uh, eating some Ortolan, hmm. um, while he's, he's uh, slow roasting a yellow sister. Um, such a great villain. Yeah, such, oh such a gosh. fantastic. Oh my gosh, yes, he is. It's so charismatic. <laughs> and, and and I like those villains that aren't over the top, mwahaha. They're like so laid back that like when the villainy happens, you're like, how does that, you know, you, you want your villain to act like Ned Flanders. So when the stuff happens, it, it seems that much more shocking. Oh, they're easiest, the scariest like genre of villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. There's Captain Londa from uh, from Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So charming and so ugh, 
Yeah, that that's a very uh, uh, apt comparison, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, did we notice anything new with with this scene? Um, I know last time around, you you didn't know what a yellow sister was. You didn't know exactly what was going on. So Greg figured it out uh, because I've been re-listening to our recordings as we go along. Greg's like, so this one's in yellow and the ones we're chasing, the the guy on horseback were in red, Moraine's in blue. Is there something about the colors? And, and Rurik is just sitting there going, that's a very good mm. question. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Healers are in yellow. That's a very good question. <laughs> Back when I couldn't just give you all the answers. Yeah. But the thing that got me about that specific scene is right at the very end when, um, you know, they're cranking up the flames, um, he says to her, an Aes Sedai should know that the best, sometimes the best path to um, something, sorry, I'm just trying to remember exactly the wording. It was the best path, brutality is the best path to mercy. mercy. Yes. And that for me, really effectively mirrored the cold open from episode one, where um, the Andron, she's talking to the man um, who can channel, and she's saying, "What I, you should thank me for what I'm doing. It's a gift, really." Yeah. And I just thought that was like you're. They're very obviously setting up these two sides in opposition. I just thought that was such a beautiful mirror to have yeah. that speech come from each of them, and that was something I hadn't caught the first time around. Well, you know, fascist yeah. gonna fash. Mm. Yeah. Just different. Mm. They want different people in charge, but their methods and goals are pretty kind similar. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. um, police state with different police. One thing I noticed, uh, and this was from a filmmaking perspective on that that uh, um, cold open, when he gets to the line, that line you were talking about where he says brutality, on the word brutality is when they reveal that the Aes Sedai's hands have been severed and you just see the stumps. Hmm. And and I just, I, I just noticed that and I thought it was just a, a beautiful piece of cinematography and, and filmmaking. So... Anything else that we notice new out of this? Any anything in Valda's speech? You have something in mind? No, I don't. I don't. I'm just, oh, okay. I'm, I'm saying, yes, <laughs> it sounded like a very. <laughs> it sounded like you're leading to something. No, I've learned to just like poke at you guys, and stuff falls out. It, it doesn't have to have <laughs> anything to do with anything. Like pinatas. Yes. Yeah. Very much. Okay. So. <laughs> No, the, 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 to me, the most interesting stuff is the stuff that I don't lead you into because it's stuff that I didn't notice. And, and when you guys point out, actually, and uh, um, I should say, uh, last night I was at a dinner with several other content creators. Uh, uh, Matt Hatch was there and uh, Lauren oh, cool. from Unraveling the Pattern, um, uh, Alyssa from Unpower Ballads, uh, people from the Black Tower podcast. Uh, there, there were a lot of people there uh, just randomly happened to all be passing through the same area. They were actually, several people there were talking about the podcast. They had, some of them had just started listening recently. They were saying that same thing, that when you guys see something that they didn't even realize is there, and they are, you know, geeks of this stuff on a level that I am, where, you know, we live, breathe, and sleep this stuff, and you guys noticed connections that we didn't, it, it, it just blows our minds. Like, you, Believe it or not, you guys were actually talked up at this at this dinner. 
last night. It, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, you, 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 you have been noticed and, and, and you are loved. So That's utterly terrifying. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're heard. We're heard. Uh, but yeah, um, moving on, we get to our title scene. Um, I don't think there's anything new to say about the titles. Did anybody have any notes on that? Um, Not really. nothing new. I just, I never skip the title scene, but because I think so it's pretty. so beautiful. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, that was another thing that we talked about at, at the, the dinner last night was that none of us skipped the title scene because it's so beautiful. And we, we had a discussion actually about uh, next season, would we want the same title scene or do we want them to update it? And I think that we all agreed it should be updated. Oh, so yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So I think... Uh, Suddenly. I think that might be our final question for this episode. How would you like to see the the opening titles updated? Okay. Ooh. Like Supernatural, mm -hmm. that was my favorite part of a new season. The title card was always redone. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so <laughs> getting into it, uh, we start out uh, in the two rivers uh, running. Uh, we've got Lan, Moraine, and the Emmonsfield Five, and uh, they're running upcountry chased by, chased by a lot of trollops, uh, because my note-taking software likes to correct trollops to trollops. <laughs> very Wars. different visual. Yeah, very, very different visual. <laughs> Yeah, but, that, uh, but, but that's Cinemax, not Prime Video. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we see them running all day, and they arrive at oh, another uh, uh, mess up at Karen Ferry. Apparently, my my. <laughs> I mean, I want to watch your acting. version. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit like one. Yeah, I, I think we might have to do an autocorrect version of of. Uh... <laughs> watch Party After Dark. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so they arrive at, at Terrence so Ferry. So Maureen, then, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gas station DVD version. <laughs> and they they have to bribe Master Hightower into crossing as soon as possible. Um, yes. And, of course, as soon as they get across, uh, the Fade shows up and, and everyone starts yelling. And, well, everyone on, on that side of the river starts yelling. And Maureen sinks the ferry in response and... Master Hightower says that she's evil and the white cloaks are right about them, I Sedai, and, and then is a dumbass. Like, I guess he must be taking dumbass lessons from Rand. <laughs> I, I gotta say that that scene where he leaps into the river still doesn't entirely work for me. Um, like, I know that he's supposed to be panicking and acting impulsively but there's the the whole process of getting across the river and seeing the trollocs on the other side before she makes the move to sink the ferry takes long enough that it just doesn't quite work for me i i can see where you're coming from but uh having volunteered in a a first response role in the past i can tell you that people in panic states do really stupid shit i was about to say like this is a really good illustration of the way fear works and just completely corrupts your sense of logic and just your entire like cause and effect. The thing is, you know, he's saying, oh, my son's over there. Like, I guarantee you, your son already knows that the Trollocs are around. Like, there's no way if your son is anywhere close to the area that he doesn't know this is happening and either isn't already yeah. dead or has he's hiding or isn't taking cover right. in some way. The, yeah. the Trollocs are not 
they're they're not obscured. They're not quiet. They're not subtle <laughs> yeah. at all. They've got, they they've they got smell. torches. So like yeah, there's some kind of mob. If you're if you're especially if you're coming from a different direction. So if they're coming from this way, you're coming from this way. You're like, oh hell, bye, Dad. Good. (laughs) 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 And so it 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 does work for me because I'm like, oh, that's how fear works. Especially when he's like, oh, the white cloaks are right, and I'm like, oh, this is just like those people in the suburbs who like are just looking for a reason not to like you. Like if. If you're out of sight, you're out of mind. But as long as they're mm-hmm. getting bombarded by information about you, they're going to take whatever the bombarding is at its word. And so it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so you probably are not, <sighs> you don't have a high opinion of the Aes Sedai in the first place. And then this is like, oh, I knew it. I knew there was a reason I didn't like you. Was there? Or, you know, did you watch Fox News all day? I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you've got a point. I will. I will say I am still absolutely smitten with the monster designs. Having this yeah. horde of incredibly bestial, you know, growling monstrous creatures, and then the fade just kind of strolls in like something out of your worst nightmare. It's just the juxtaposition between the two models. I think it's just brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. You can actually see the fear, like the Trollocs aren't sure if they fear the water or the fade more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, kind of get that, uh, trench warfare kind of, kind of feeling from it. It's like, okay, it's terrifying in here, but if we go over the wall, it's also it's terrifying, even more terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I am surprised they're not afraid of fire. Like they're carrying torches. They're human enough that's not true. to be afraid of fire. That's that's an unusual choice. Most um, fantasies, yeah. Uh, the you know, fire is the the one thing that monsters fear. But um, Jordan made right. the choice animalistic. to yeah. have it be water instead. That animalistic fear, yeah. Yeah, I like that he tapped more into um, like the vampire myth. You know, can't cross running water kind of thing. Um, it, it's a little more interesting to me. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, so moving on, we get uh, near Berlin. Uh, you guys don't know that, but I'm aware of where they're at. Uh, they set up camp for the night, um, and Moraine washes the horses of fatigue, and Lan chastises her for doing it because he says you need to keep your strength. Um, and while that's going on, our our Emin- so do the horses. Yeah. You know, yeah. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> Uh, then we see uh, the Emmons Field Five sitting around, and they're just—they're—they're they're at this point just trying to process what the fuck they have just been through. Mm. Yeah, this is one of my like commentary parts where I was like, "Damn, not even a shower." <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going primitive. You yeah, that's—that's that's primitive camping there. Yeah, yeah. Remind me not never to take you camping, Samaria. Once they, I went to overnight camp for a couple weeks when I was like 10, 11, and they made us camp one night. I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no offense, but you do seem more of a glamper. Than a I camper. am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am. <laughs> you know, I've already decided like if and when the apocalypse hits, as soon as the running water is out, I'm taking some pills and just calling it a day. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, to, to you, roughing it is like a Motel 6. 
Yeah, act, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've been in one, so <laughs> it, it, it was to be rough. Fair, that is pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, so then everyone uh, goes to sleep, um, and Maureen takes uh, Iggy aside to train, and uh, they they have a little discussion about the Aes Sedai and the three oaths, and and uh, Siobhan, you notice something new in in this scene. Um. So I guess this just kind of follows on to what um, I had noticed in the previous episode. Um, I came up with the, the theory that Moraine's original plan had been to separate them all one at a time and talk to each of them and figure out, can you channel? And so in episode one, she goes to Nynaeve. In episode two, she goes to Egwene. And... Again, had circumstances not intervened, she probably then would have started with each of the men. Um, like she's getting them alone and she's kind of assessing their abilities. And I, like you start with the, the wisdom because she's the one you already know has access to some level of power. And then you go to the woman because you can see her channeling and you can figure out what she can do. The men are going to be harder, so she's leaving them for last. Oh, yeah. So there was a whole plan. Like when she walked in there, she had she had a plan and she's trying to stick to it and things keep throwing shit at the fan. <laughs> yeah. Um did did you anybody this one I I am trying to lay some breadcrumbs here. Uh did anybody notice something in there that that we hadn't spoken of before? With the 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 rules of using the one power that she's telling mm -hmm. Egwene. You know, don't use it as a weapon. Except for was it last defense, last extreme defense of your of life, her life, your warders, or a or fellow the sister, warder, or a fellow sister. Yeah, it's like the warder thing. That that's where it first popped up. It's like, ooh, there's something there. There, there, the there's a there, there's sort of a symbiotic relationship there where the, yeah. the defense is defense of their lives is utmost. That obviously doesn't count against dark servants. So let's talk about those three oaths. We had number one, to speak no word that is not true. And we've already figured out how they work around that one. Mm -hmm. Very um, lawyerly. Yes. Uh, number two, to make no weapon with which one person may kill another. So they can't make power rot swords and things for war for people to go use they can't even make mm -hmm. weapons for their warders their warders have to make their own weapons but they can throw rocks but they can <laughs> throw rocks well that's not a rocks oh. you know purpose not not its original yeah. purpose anyway <laughs> so it's fine <laughs> it's an alternate use yeah so you could use the power to make frying pans <laughs> and mm -hmm. then just use the frying pan to like club somebody and that wouldn't that's count true. As long as you you use the power to make plowshares, you can still beat people with those plowshares. You just have to make the plowshares. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not as efficient as swords. So uh, number three, we have, as you said, Greg, uh, never use the one power as a weapon except to save, except in the, the last defense of your life, the life of your warder, or the life of another sister. There was something said immediately after this. Um, she said, uh, I recall her saying that it's not that we don't break them, it's that we cannot. Okay, I'm just going to come right out and say it, because none of you picked up on this. Uh, Egwene said something about 
the three oaths being what the Aes Sedai agreed to do to get Ardor Hawkwing to stop sieging Tarvalon. You're right. I didn't catch that at all. Oh. Okay. This is a concession to control their power. Yes. So if we remember from the history lesson that I gave, Ardor Hawkwing was about a thousand years ago when the High King was, was ruling. So the three oaths are only about a thousand years old, whereas we've got 3,000 years of history all the way back to the Age of Legends. So there was and no the, control over Aes Sedai power for... Previous to that. Interesting. Mm. So, and, and and you see why I didn't bring that up the first time through, because that would have been a lot of of explanation to get to to that understanding that you just got to fairly quickly right there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, when Arthur Hawkwing, the High King, consolidated all of the Westlands under his power, the final thing he did was siege Tarvalon, and the way that they finally got him to back off was to agree to put the three oaths on all of the sisters so that they could not forge war on their own. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. So how would you, total sense. how would you enforce something like that? I guess you just have to trust that the Aes Sedai will keep to their agreements or non-channelers will go to war against you again. <laughs> something to, to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I have like work smarter, not harder going through my head because it's like, yeah, you can like, I guess, put them under oath. But now you have a thousand years of them like figuring their way around this. Yeah. Or at least that's what I right. would do. I mean, maybe I'm projecting, but there's no way I would give up my power in a way that would like bridle it, I guess. And so I would just figure out and like it would just be like, OK, well, I can't use it that way but that does not mean the power is lessened it just means that i guess i have to work it some way else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rules lawyering yeah i'm not like, a lawyer audience i specifically chose not to go to law school because i would not have liked it <laughs> <laughs> good reason finding the ways around the rules just you know that's that's corporate life. That's that's, uh, you know the the law. Oh, that's being a teenager. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of being teenagers, uh, moving on uh, afterwards, Eggy tries to go snuggle with Randall, and uh, he's he's having none of it. He's like, I, I came out here to be alone. No, notice the keyword there is alone. She wanders off and finds Perrin. Uh, who has a nasty-looking wound on his leg from the Trollocs. And uh, Egwene looks to Perrin for comfort. Are we ever going home? No. <laughs> no. No, probably not. Yeah. I mean, even if they ever do go back, they're going to be so irrevocably changed by everything that has happened to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're going to have to get old like uh, Tam to be like, you know, that that place was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so our next scene, we uh, we see Rand waking up, and and he horks up a bat, like you do. You know, I've heard that, 
I, I've heard that everybody eats like three bats in their sleep, like per year, just, just on average. <laughs> uh, and anything new with this, uh, we get to see our friend F flame face for the first time. What's his name? Uh, shit. Uh, it's Ishamael. Ishamael. Yes. Ishamael. I think I noticed this time that all their dreams are different but connected. Like I, I didn't pick up yes. on that. Like I, all, I knew the last time. Oh, they all dreamed about bats, but this time I was like, oh, like hmm. So you know, Rand gets to cough one up, but Matt has a completely different one, but they all share it. And I don't know if it's shared mm. or if it's just like split five ways. And you know, dude is like. <laughs> you get this one and you get that one i don't know see ishmael is much more efficient than moraine moraine is going to them one at a time whereas ishmael is just kind of like okay i'm going to give you all a dream all at once at the same time and see what happens same theme he's a real multitasker exactly much more time efficient. Is that it, it's that is that personalized narrow casting that uh, that Ishmael has mastered? It's like custom podcast for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as you just said, the next morning everybody had some batty, flamey, facey dreams, and and once Maureen finds out about this, she says dreams have power more than you know. Indeed, they do. She's really good at the very meaningful sentences that don't actually have a lot of content. And they all accused her <laughs> of, did you do this to us? They still don't trust her. No. Um, and then uh, Rand is a dick. Uh, he gets to be the dick this episode. Um, and Matt pulls them all back together with a joke. Yeah, I realize how funny Matt is. Like, this is the episode where I was like, oh, this guy's hilarious. Yeah. He's that one just standing in the background cracking a joke that nobody hears, but they're the best damn jokes ever. I know last time I came out in defense of Rand's little temper tantrum, and I still feel that way that, you know, he's just been through probably the most stressful two days of his entire short life. And he's just like, fuck this and fuck you. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? What are we doing here? Yeah. It's relatable. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's very on brand like i've had meltdowns in less time over less so i mean <laughs> i i get it <laughs> I, I agree but at the same point his dad's still alive you know that is true thanks to moraine yeah 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 but also perrin's wife was also um like she wasn't part of the like core group but they would have been friends like they would have known each other he did lose people he cared about yeah and they think naive's dead who they all have a relationship with I wonder if it's because Rand is like the self-appointed leader. I mean, not only self-appointed, like they clearly look to him like you are like the one leading us, maybe not the one holding us all together, but the one like in charge. He's he's dead. He's the mom friend. Um, I, so I don't think he's the mom friend. I think he's the tall friend. Tall friend, okay. And and I can, as as a very tall person, I can tell you that yes, oftentimes people will look to me for leadership just because I'm the tallest person in the in the room. We and can it, see it, you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
quite literally can see you. <laughs> Need to look to somebody and we can see you. So <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's it. I'm just the easiest one to find. So he might be feeling yeah. like the pressure, even if like on paper, it's like, oh, you haven't lost as much as everybody else. You know, he's like, I'm, well, I'm the one who has to be in charge of all these people. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. I don't know. Is that the reason why there's never been a U.S. president under six feet tall? Wait, really? Is it some sort of, yeah, I, I, I oh. did see that. Uh, subconsciously, that's something that humans might tend to do. Wasn't one of your presidents you know? in a wheelchair? Nah, irrelevant. Yeah, but he was six feet tall before that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lay him out straight, he's still six feet tall. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, gosh, which one was it? Roosevelt. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. FDR. Yep. Not Teddy. Not Teddy. Six feet wide and six feet tall <laughs> at the shoulders. Six feet wide at the mustache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of U.S. history books, uh, we run into some white cloaks on the road. Mm, neighborhood <laughs> watch. Wow. Are you talking about the Florida Board of Education? Oh, or, oh uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> hello. Ouch. Anyway. Um, I, still, I still can't get over how entitled these guys are. They're just like, oh, you, you're traveling on the same road as us. You need to stop while we, like, go through your shit. Like, we're, you yeah. know, the... the like yeah, well, well he says specifically we we hold sway in all in all white cloak lands and lands like this isn't your lands and he's like wherever the light is is white cloak land yeah neighborhood yeah. watch and i yeah. um i what what got me about that is that in the same breath he's talking about how i said i like try to rule over everything and getting involved with wars that aren't theirs and i'm like what 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 are you doing buddy Isn't <laughs> no self-awareness whatsoever and then you hear about a war down south and you're immediately like well let's go that way yeah it, yes there's always souls that need saving at a war right right that's what you're doing in a war that's yeah yeah i did find that the interaction between the two white cloaks was really interesting you have one mm -hmm. who is obviously a soldier he is the leader if in name if nothing else and then mm -hmm. the questioners are like oh we answer to a higher authority we're going to go off and do our own thing like there seemed to be some tension between those two different roles mm -hmm. yeah very much so sort of like military leadership and military intelligence kind of thing oh yeah that's actually a good way of putting it after our, our interaction with valda just being creepy and handsy and and yeah, that was no nasty. bad. Yeah, <laughs> consent is a thing, dude. Consent is real. Yeah, just, I'm just gonna poke at you until I get a reaction from somebody. Yeah, you know, Lan was pretty close there. You could tell. Oh, the 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 look on Lan's face, like when, when after you start to get to know Lan. You know, I knew Lan from the books, and I think you guys are starting to get to know Lan now. You can tell there's a, there's a lot on on his face at any given time because. Of how little he actually shows. If she shows anything, there's something there. Yeah. And and in that scene, you could see the rage was barely held back. Flames coming <laughs> oh, out of the sides of his face. <laughs> he, he started out pissed. Like he started out on a seven on a scale of one to eight. Okay. <laughs> Ready to go immediately. Yeah, like his his eyebrow almost twitched. Like like Who's that close? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, oh man, if his eyebrow had twitched, I would have been like diving under the couch. That, uh -uh. 
so the White Cloaks, uh, after after learning about the Trollocs, decide to head west because you know there's there's some Shadow Spawn to kill, and that's that's ostensibly what White Cloaks should be doing. Um, and the questioners say, uh, "Yeah, you you go ahead and." Do that. We're gonna we're gonna go this other way. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go towards the war because that sounds less trollicky. And our party heads off east. Um, I I really this time around I really noticed the oily way that Valda is like. I don't think I want to go where there's gonna be actual fighting. That's not like fighting with, right. with demon spawn. That that doesn't sound like what I signed up for. Valda's not into, doesn't have any interest in a contest between equals. No. No, no, not at all. Oh, no. I still want to know how he actually traps Aes Sedai. Because, like, how do you get an Aes Sedai under control? Like, he's got to have something. Angrial, that he's... Mm, maybe using maybe i know he's or or he just knows how to manipulate the oaths yeah like he's definitely not in it because he's actually a believer like i decided that today like mm, no he i don't think he cares one way or another about the light or being a white cloak like it's absolutely like just a means to an end for him it's power mm. Basically, yeah. he would have been a serial killer, but he found a job where he could do it anyway. Right. Like, and he, he gets to have fancy meals and have servants yeah. while he does it. Yeah. And add to his ring collection. <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's, he's obviously very, very fond of kind of the, the pomp around his role, like the, yeah. the wine and the fine dining and the, the clean white outfits and he likes his job a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, as long as he doesn't have to actually do anything involving defending himself. As we find out later when Perrin starts to, uh, you know, bring in the bring in the happy doggies, <laughs> he, he he just he just pees himself and kind of <laughs> just <laughs> gives up without much of a fight. You know, he's, he is the bully who cannot take it. That's why he doesn't like equals. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you can be superior to somebody, you know, yeah. you're in good shape. So in our next scene, we get uh, the first time that we hear the, the saying, the truth in Aes Sedai, or in Aes Sedai always tell the truth, it just may not be the truth you think you hear. And and we're we're definitely figuring that one out by this point. Um, and then we have Matt starting our sing-along, and uh, Moraine tells the story of Manethrin, the mountain home. Um, I'm really glad they left that scene in. I know uh, one of the things that you brought up when we, we saw this the first time was you have this long sequence where nothing, there's no action. It's just people talking on horseback, and that's a really hard sell for a visual medium. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad they left it in, because... It tells you so much about the history of the battles and the people and the history of two rivers that you wouldn't otherwise, I think, get. Right. It's a way to tell the backstory that's just incorporated into the story. You don't have to have a big flashback moment or anything or something to set the scene. Just, yeah, just like yeah. this is 
perfectly fine way of uh, of getting that exposition out there. Yep, it's a really good look into, I guess, also the culture of the place, the, and just a window into who these people are. And so, like, they don't know that they have like this really epic history necessarily. They don't really have knowingly a connection, but somebody found it important enough many somebodies to keep passing down this story in a very accessible way so that Mm -hmm. you know in present day they they literally have no idea that this is a true story that it actually happened that they are you know direct descendants of the people that they're singing about but it's it's so important and it's so ingrained into their psyche into like who they are as two rivers um natives that they can just collectively break out into song and it still it means something to them even if they don't know necessarily why mm-hmm. and I, i'm still firmly convinced that this was a bit of a sales pitch on moraine's part as well i really believe that she has a motive behind yeah. everything she does oh absolutely every word that comes out oh, of yeah. her mouth she is giving them a lesson about their heritage and where they came from because she is saying this is who you are you come from people who fought down to the last adult and look you just did it again isn't that great (laughs) (laughs) that's that old that's that old blood in you that's that old two river spirit all those women sitting around in the bar drinking beer (laughs) all they need is one trollic to their Picking up their pitchfork and throwing down. <laughs> I don't even remember what they are, but the the genetic memory is there. <laughs> oh, what's that yeah, thing? I don't know. Get your, a pitchfork. Yep. <laughs> Next, uh, we we have a little scene between Moraine and and Lan, where Moraine says, "We're getting kind of close to Shatter Logoth. Don't you think we should uh, not be close to Shatter Logoth?" And Lan's like, "Well, you know, Trollocs won't go there." And she's like, "Yeah, for a good friggin' reason." <laughs> I, I love the fact that these two communicate in questions that neither one of them answers. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they do it constantly, you know, is that on purpose? And then it's he completely changes culture. the subject. Like, yeah. there's this entire message that went back and forth that was not out loud. It's only something you get when you, re- when you grow up with somebody. Like, either... It doesn't necessarily even have to be like from when you're small. Like you've been around each other long enough through enough formative years where yeah. you can just communicate like that and you understand each other perfectly. No one else does, but you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just your own language. Yeah. It happens with my spouse all the time. We'll be watching something and, and like she'll say, Is that? And I'll be like, Oh, yeah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so next we see that uh, Perrin ha- has an owie still. Um, and and we see Hopper come and and does a good boy. <laughs> so I know they normally use German shepherds or huskies for wolves, but I mean the dog comes up and lick his leg, and I'm like, that's a dog. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, actually, actually, those those are wolves. Those are, are wolves. They're they are Eastern European wolves. They are really? local to the area. Just the wolves in that area are a smaller variety of wolf, but those are actually wolves from a wolf sanctuary. Oh, okay. Because okay. to me, like they're, they're just very calm. They're, they're, they're very socialized. Feet yeah. Than yeah. the wolves that I oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm used, used to, to have feet like 
like yeah you're used to canadian wolves i'm used to rocky mountain wolves i mean you know the wolves there are half the size of me you know they're they're huge so yeah that those are just a different species of wolf that is just much smaller much much smaller so to me they look more like coyotes yeah let me check my american centrism well-fed coyotes (laughs) i i have learned a thing today wow and i even just let something slip there and nobody mentioned it Mm. Oh man, curse my ADHD. Because <laughs> it totally slipped my notice. So uh, we see uh, um, next, they're they're all kind of camping in some ruins, and Eggie uh, wakes up and she smells some trollops on the wind. <laughs> so I recall from episode one that she, when the Fade first appears in town, you see her turn her head really suddenly like she heard it. And it's also mm-hmm. Egwene that catches that the Fade is watching them sleep. So yeah. girl's got a, a bat signal for Oh, she is tuned in because I literally fades. thought she actually saw them. Huh. No, no. If, if you catch. notice when she first is waking up, you hear what she's hearing, which is just a watch. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good person to have with you when you're out sleeping in the woods and all by yourself. It's like <laughs> she's true. got the early fade warning happening. Monster detector. Um, and her monster detector is apparently just slightly more sensitive than Land's because Land immediately afterwards comes into camp and says, we're bouncing now. Let's go. Got to eat. Good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they are running through the woods and there are trollocs running after them and they are running and running and running and then suddenly the horses say fuck this we ain't going any further <laughs> but luckily the trollocs also said fuck this we also ain't going any further and uh we look up and we see the walls of shatter dun, dun, dun. so i assume that was cgi uh i i believe that was cgi or a map painting or one or the yeah. other it was very well probably a cgi map yes. painting yeah who knows it was very impressive mm-hmm. It is. Oh, yeah. Great set design on that. And so we end up inside Aaron Hall. And there is nothing living. Nothing. No bugs. No birds. No sound. No dust. Just nothing. Yeah. I was I was uh, telling Axel when we were watching it, I really feel like there should have been more dust. Like when they go into this big hall, which I assume is some kind of cathedral or something. Yeah. They should have been sending up a cloud with every step. Right. It's been thousands of years. Yeah. And everything is not only still standing. It's not crumbling. But there's, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's in, I feel like it's in stasis on purpose. Like that, oh. I think that might be a clue It it to like how otherworldly, not quite in this dimension, this city is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like Interesting those horses that go poof well that pile of horse will still be there in another thousand years if there's no wind no there's nothing to degrade anything or build it back up it's yeah okay my metal so band like, is a new it, a new it, name now pile of horse. pile of horses <laughs> no pile of horse <laughs> have you seen the horse yeah it's over there in a pile hold on let me get the dust buster i'll bring it over well, to you i mean it's like you know, evil is living there, and apparently evil is very neat. And, uh, 
you know, doesn't doesn't abide, <laughs> doesn't abide by the dust. They do they, they do the, the white glove test everywhere. So you know, the evil is uh, the evil is nice and tidy. Tidy evil yes. in, in so I, 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 as you know, Perrin pointed out, there's no birds and no bugs. So I guess that means there's no bacteria or anything else that would yeah you know break down. I don't. Are there viruses? Do does does it work on viruses or does it say viruses are not quite life? I mean, well, at, at what point of folded protein does it start activating? They're warned to only eat things that they brought. So the assumption that it either there's nothing else to eat in there or there is, but you shouldn't eat it. Mm, forbidden donut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, if there had been a taco bar, I would have been screwed. <laughs> Eva tacos. Best tacos of your life forever. <laughs> uh, so uh, one thing I noticed, uh, the exteriors in, in Shatter Logoth are the same exteriors they use for the street scenes in Tarvalon. Really? They just kind of they're just, power They're just them. redressed and, and yeah, yeah. And I, at first I thought, well, that's cheeky reusing the same set. And then I thought, well, you know, it, it does save a lot of money. And then when I really thought about it, it made a lot of sense because Tarvalon and Arid Hall were both built right after the breaking. They were two of the first places built after the breaking. So of course the Ogier who built them would have made them similar designs. I mean, yeah. that was the, the style of the time. Exactly. And then our next scene, uh, their their land decides that they're going to chill in a cathedral because you know, I mean, if you got your choice of any building in town, why not the cathedral, right? Yeah, it's got it's got to be the safest, right? Sure. <laughs> let's let's roll with that theory. <laughs> yeah. Build a stone. Uh, yeah. This is peak sarcasm in case. <laughs> Protected by God. Yeah, that's the place to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he walks in. He puts some garlic around the doorways. And, and, <laughs> It's yeah. fine, guys. It's fine. It's totally fine. Put some lamb's blood on the door, you know, just covering all the bases. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then Lan tells them the tale of Eret Hall, which, as we all know, is is the tale of Washington, D.C. It just got consumed by its own greed and, and became a place of nothing but evil. <laughs> as things go, it yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. And then Lan tells tells them all to uh, stay put don't don't eat anything you didn't breathe don't take anything from here and just just don't go anywhere <laughs> so my next note says the dumbasses all go somewhere exactly yeah <laughs> of course because they're dumbass teenagers you know from from a, a rural area where one assumes you don't normally run into forces of unspeakable evil when you're just taking a walk down the mountain trail yeah 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 more or less it's like if you've ever met a teenager from a small town you tell them don't do something that's not gonna yeah no no, no. i have nothing else to do yep. yeah yeah small town teenagers are the worst because you can just go out in the woods and and throw things at things and blow other things up and yeah it, it's harder to get away with that in the city ask me how i know <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so uh yeah during this scene we get uh, a heart-touching scene where matt gives perrin a dagger that was made by elsa uh his his now frozen wife we we see matt just being the heart of gold rogue that we all know he is 
just Deep you know he's, he's the one immediately there for for Perrin when he can tell that nobody else is is being there for him yeah rand and Egwene are kind of wrapped up in their own problems yeah and and i like the fact that Perrin kind of reaches out in return says you know my parents will check in on the girls they'll be okay yeah i caught that where you know we know pretty much from the very beginning that these three these four look out for matt and by extension you know matt's sisters like matt's family therefore his loved ones are family um and here i think it's the first time i've noticed in the many times i've watched this episode where that how far that extends and like it's not just a two rivers like small town you know all for one one for all kind of thing it's specifically you know like these four grew up together so tight that that extended and so like if you have matt then his two sisters are by extension matt too you know Mm -hmm. that that is a package deal you can't have one without the others and i just i just i really like that kind of thing i grew up in a very similar way so it it's i like to see it on screen uh, one thing I noticed in this scene with Matt and Perrin um, is the the dagger. I actually, I noticed there was a mark on the dagger this time around. And so I paused my screen and I, and I you know, yelled enhance at my computer and it did nothing. And, and so then I enlarged <laughs> it a little bit. Um, and, and the image on the, 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 it's the forge mark on the dagger and it's a, a little uh, kind of a, a hexagon with like a stylized Y in it. I believe that that is uh, uh, Elsa and Perrin's forge mark from their forge. And I think it's a stylized two rivers coming together. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. And, and I, I posted this on Twitter and, and I think I might have been the first person to catch this because uh, a lot of the other content creators on Twitter are like, wow, that's amazing. So. We're, there's still new stuff to be found if you go through these folks. That is the, that is such a, a level of attention to detail. Like yeah. I mean, that speaks very just, highly of the showrunners and you know just basically every department involved in this show. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to uh, include that picture in the show notes uh, just so people can see that. But it's it's it was another one of those tiny little details that just made me so giddy on the inside. I loved it. Um, then we see uh, Randall and Eggie, and they're uh, chilling on up on a tower, pretty, seeming pretty chill for standing close to an edge with no railing. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing that Ogier back after the Age of Legends were, didn't have uh, OSHA compliance in mind no. when, they, that, when they were building. I don't think that was a concern. Like, they just yeah. needed a place to stay first. Yeah, yeah that, that might have been it. <laughs> I feel like that's some kind of code for the for the dark side or or you know some cursed location or something. It's like no handrailings in yeah, yeah. Star Wars in all of you know the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and in Mordor and you know, yeah. like well, in Star Wars, the 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 dark side keeps going to Darth Lloyd Wright for all the all of their architecture and that you know his whole deep pits with no railings form of architecture is just, you know, their thing. So, <laughs> nothing for Darth Lloyd, right? Come no, on. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm <It> sorry. <laughs> uh, 
All right. <laughs> Moving on. What are you, Mies van der Rohe? I, th- I thought, on. I thought, hey, hey, I thought that uh, the O in OSHA doesn't stand for O-gear was pretty good, Greg. You could have at least given me something. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But you know what? I'm cutting that out of the final edit now. Ah, so there. you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You don't laugh at my jokes. I'm not going to put your jokes in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then next we uh, we hear our good old buddy Fane whistling his way up the, up the road. Um, and I looked in the scene this time and what I thought was Fane previously, I, I don't think Fane is actually visible in the scene. Um, but we see in, in several areas Mashadar starting to creep out and onto the scene. I, I thought you saw like the back of a cloak or something disappearing around a corner. That's a little bit later on, I think, uh, when when Matt is looking for the dagger. But in this scene where you just hear the whistle, we, I I thought that he was in a little alcove, but I, I like cranked up the contrast on my seat on my screen, and it was just Mashadar appearing in the alcove because Mashadar mm-hmm. appeared about three or four different places coming out into the scene. So I thought that was interesting that they had the whistle, but you didn't see Fane, you just saw Mashadar. I found it interesting that like this place is so dangerous that Trollocs won't go in, but Pat and Fane apparently can walk around in the dark with impunity. Pat and Fane doesn't give a damn about anything. That's his problem. I just wondered if he was doing this thing like where you wear like a yellow um coat and a hard hat and you can go anywhere and people don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or carry yeah put on a high vis vest and carry a clipboard and you can get in I'm, anywhere i'm else. carrying a cursed dagger and so that's you know i can just walk around in, in the all evil things just to see like i'm supposed to be there backstage yeah. pass yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a backstage pass to the dark side yeah all access totally all access <laughs> Um, and then, uh, pandemonium, things go crazy, dogs and cats living together, fire and brimstone raining from the skies, well, more like sludge and and tar coming up from the sewers, but either way, it's bad. Um, and, uh, of course, our, our crew all gets split up like it's a bad Scooby-Doo episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually hoping that they would, you know, maybe like run in and out of the archways a few times and like come in this archway. <laughs> that but, would have been awesome. So we get our uh, Eggy and P-Dog. I've decided that's his name now, P-Dog. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. <laughs> or Peter Wolf. Or Peter Wolf, you know, like the lead singer. P- Peter Wolf, yeah, there you go. Yeah, lead singer is Jacob. Um, that's a stage name. <laughs> so Iggy and P-Dog yeet themselves off the wall. Um, and we get Randall and Matt going crawling through the sewer. And both of them get out and into the river, clearly at different points in the river. So uh, I don't remember, but the scene where Rand realizes he's the dragon or is remembering things that make him realize he's the dragon, I recall that he remembers the scene where he uh, breaks down the oak door Mm -hmm. as being a moment when he uses the force where he breaks through that gate to save, to get Matt through. Does he use the force there as well? Is that part of that? No, no, I don't believe he did. I think that was just pure 
shepherd strength right there. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and headcanon that that was the first, his first time. That that was his first time. Okay. I was looking for it this time, actually. Now knowing what we know, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's been using this, like the power, like this whole time. And I just didn't notice. And so I was, was very eagle-eyed this time. Only against doors, apparently. (laughs) But no, I think this time it was like, it really was just him. But I like your headcanon. Yeah. 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 I like it. Manifesting through doors, breaking onto through to the other side. Yeah. You know. He just likes to break stuff. Does he light any fires? I'm into Uh, it. Was he the prodigy? I am the fire starter? No, I was thinking Jim Morrison. Doors. Oh. Break on through. Oh, his brain is squirming like a toad? There you go. All right. Well, they meet killers on the road, so yeah. yeah. That is true. Um, And, uh, of course... (laughs) Our, our last couple getting away are Lan and Moraine, and uh, Lan just kind of carries Moraine like a sack of potatoes, gets on the horses and, and vamooses. Um, I still don't see Bella with them. Nope. Wondering what the hell happened to Bella. <clears throat> Rant, man. She's no dummy. She's not hanging around. <laughs> Bella didn't even come into the city. She was like, hey, you know what, you guys, I'll, 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 I'm heading back to Two Rivers. I'll, I'll just see you. Y'all and, be good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Nynaeve, uh, pulls a ninja and sneaks up on land, and that's the end of our, our episode. I loved that moment. Yeah. I, the first time I saw that, I shouted. I'm sure the neighbors heard me. <laughs> <laughs> she got me again. Like, I jumped. I was like, ah, oh, shit, I forgot you were here. <laughs> So she the, means business. <laughs> yeah, she's got a trollic blade, and she's not afraid to use it. So the look on Land's face did it take on different connotations to you this time around? As much as Land never has an expression, yes, <laughs> he looked pretty shocked. <laughs> he did look kind of mad at himself, though. Yeah, not only did he look shocked to me, but he looked a little uh, turned on. He looked a little like, well, damn. nobody's ever been able to do that before girl's got game yeah so overall uh just thoughts on this second time around any 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 grandiose theories predictions thoughts little details that we didn't touch on i don't know this one seemed fairly straightforward now that we know a lot of the a lot of the things that happen. Um, uh, I, I am also buying into Siobhan's headcanon about, uh, he hates these doors. So, uh, that's... <laughs> well, well, we saw. That's probably the only thing that's ever given him any trouble before, up till now, right? This is true. <laughs> well, well, we did see in the fan film that uh, he, he also has a problem with windows. So, portals to another room or outside (laughs) well well, he turned a window into a door so i guess it really is a door thing that he has yeah okay yeah keep an eye out for that on rewatch have we figured out who the dragon is yet we're gonna rewatch the van (laughs) film now. (laughs) yeah i i I might have to be busy that episode (laughs) (laughs) uh one thing that i noticed and this is 
something I noticed the first time around. Um, this, the the director or the art designer of this episode, I think, did this episode as a love letter to some of the book uh, book jacket art. So I'm going to bring this first one up, and I want to see if you noticed this in as they were approaching the uh, the white cloaks for the first time. This is the cover art of the first book. And as they were approaching the white cloaks in that scene for the first time, I noticed her her cloak spread out behind her on her horse like that. She wasn't sitting side saddle, but Lan was also right next to her, kind of a little behind her, and also sitting very, very stiff, erect like that. And it just, I feel like it was an intentional nod to this book cover. Mm-hmm. It, it, I can see that. If you, if you, yeah. I do. Like, I noticed just a very subtle, like, change in positioning, how they were riding. So, like, Maureen and Lynn ride very purposeful, like, purposeful. Like, they're not, 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 I mean, obviously Maureen can because she was raised that way. But, you know, she's been on the road for, you know, forever. There's, she has a place to go. She's not going to lollygag. And then in this scene, before they approach the white cloak, she's telling the kids, you know, their new backstory, what's going on. And it's like, okay, now let's lean into character, everybody, and yeah. scene. So. You can really see it with the cloak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way it's, she's yeah, tiny the, in that, in that image. Yeah. In, in the, in the book, she is very tiny. She's like five foot nothing. Yeah. And riding a pony too. See, I think Lynn's huge. Let me pull this one up. Does this not feel like the place where they stayed for the night and ended up pulling bats out of there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And this is the cover of the second book. So it took Jordan a whole book to get from. No, no, no. This is this is just <laughs> this is elsewhere in the world. Just I okay. I really noticed the similarity to the book cover, but then when we go into Shatter Logoth. This is the cover of one of the later books. And, and tell me that there was a scene with Rand walking solo down the street that looked very much like this. And, and this is supposed to be Shatter Logoth, by the way, in this image. And it felt like there was a, a scene in there that was a direct shout out to this where you saw Rand and just the tall buildings and... Hmm. Yeah, where he's where he's standing on the high balcony, we're kind of looking out over the tops of the buildings. I can yeah. really see. Yeah, and and like I was saying, th- this 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 episode just I think that the art direction they were just doing this as a shout out to the books. I think they were like, oh hey, we could get this book into the this book cover into the episode. We could get this book cover into the episode. Why don't we do it? And yeah, yeah I I. I that was just something I I saw. I might be insane. I might I might not. I don't know. But you'll have to tell me. No, no, it's 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 definitely definitely plausible. I mean, you've already got all of this artwork that's out there that the fans are yeah. are used to, and the fans are, you know, it it's fan tested, fan approved. So yeah, yeah. Oh, and and uh, one of our our listeners in chat uh, just pointed out the funny pose that mm-hmm. Rand is in in this picture because look at his legs. I was going to say one leg straight down and one leg leg day. One leg <laughs> way. 
it's very reminiscent of how women in like comic books. Oh, like the, the boob yeah. twist. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's hard to keep balance that way. The center of gravity is somewhere over the front foot. How, how, yeah. 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 I don't think any of the book readers are under any illusions that the book art is either accurate or particularly good, but we do still have a place in our heart for it. I don't know if that'll make it into the final edit of the episode because, you know, visual stuff doesn't really work in an audio medium, but I right. wanted to show you guys that because I thought it was really cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Moving on, we have Mailbag. Mailbag! Mailbag! Me wanna wag my tail. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love it when Samaria is here. It, it's so lovely. <laughs> Um, makes us realize how old we are. That was yes. for those who didn't notice. Uh, so we got a, a mailbag, first time in a while. Um, and this is from a new listener, Alan. Um, Alan says, hello, I'm from Manitoba, Canada. I've been listening nice. to, your, to your podcast now for a while. I'm on episode 16. Um, I see you recently Howdy, released neighbor. episode 50. So, uh, Alan, yeah, Alan has a lot to catch up on. And uh, so it's going to be a while before Alan hears his letter. But, uh, Alan, <laughs> we got your letter. Hello uh, from the he, past. Or future. <laughs> or the, yeah, well, we, for him, it's the future. For, we're talking so. from the time future, but by the time circle. he gets to it, <laughs> it will be a wheel path. of time. Yeah, it is a wheel of time. Uh, he goes on to say, I don't know what you guys have been up to since then, but I'm looking forward to listening to it. Well, you'll have to send us a, a letter once you get through all that to this letter and let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm loving the fresh take on the series, and it brings him joy to know that it's enjoyed. He says he's read the series five plus times. Uh, he puts the plus in because he had to wait for some of the books, and he reread all the books before the next book came out. And so, you know, it's hard to say how many times mm. you've read the whole series when you've read the books who knows how many times each. And that is like me, the, the mating call of the book reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I've read book one, like 23 times and book two, 22 times and book. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I feel your pain, Alan. Trust me. I've, mm -hmm. I've done exactly the same thing. I, yeah. Um, I could say I've read the books all the way through, like probably 20 times, but that's for different values of all the way through because it was all the way through at the time. Mm hmm. Accounts. That's true. Yeah. And there's only three books out. You read yeah. three books, you read, read all, the all the way through. So he goes on to say, I love the theories, and I don't know how Ruark does it. I, I to this day, I still don't know how I do it either. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say medical marijuana. That, that's the only way <laughs> yeah. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Valid. Yeah. Uh, when a theory matches the books perfectly, I'm laughing and I can't contain myself. Yeah, I uh, trust me. I On the inside, I'm screaming. It, it's... <laughs> Once we're done recording, most most times I I go in the bathroom and just yell into a paper bag for, for about five minutes after, after we're done, really, just just to get it all out. Anyway, looking forward to listening to the rest, especially when season two comes out. You, you know, we are also so looking forward to season two. We Please. just wish it would freaking come out already. Right. Please. Maybe maybe Alan, you'll get, get to your letter to before season two comes out. Yeah. Hopefully not. Please, but. please, we hope you don't get to this letter before season yes, two comes please. out. <laughs> Take your time, Alan. <laughs> uh, goes on to say, if anybody comes to WatCon, he will be there. And uh, Alan, yes, I will be at WatCon, and I'm I'm 
going to guess like we will probably meet at WatCon before you get to the episode with this letter. But if not, uh, I'll, I'll see you at WatCon. Uh, he just says, thank you again, Alan. Uh, no, Alan, thank you. Thank you for being a listener. Thank, thank you for you. finding us. Yes. Thank you for binging us. Cause I, I don't want to sit and listen to myself for that long. It, it, I have to do it, <laughs> it because I'm me. Like yeah, what I the hell is wrong like with you? I being in my own head every day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My God. <laughs> but uh, no, sincerely, thank you, Alan. Thank you for writing in. And if you want to write into to mailbag, that's whatwatchparty at gmail.com. You can write into us there. Um, also, join us on our Discord server. You can find a link to that in the show notes. If you want to find us on social media, it's at whatwatchparty on Twitter and Instagram. And we want to say thank you, as always, to our benefactors, Michael and Jen, out at the Secret Watch Party Island headquarters. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael, Michael and Jen. Jen. And, of course, you want to check out all of the other fine Watch Party podcasts. We've got Watch Party of Ice and Fire cover, covering all of the works of George R.R. R. Martin, and that's hosted by several friends of DW's. We've got Watch Party Lord of the Rings that's uh, hosted by Michael and Jen themselves, covering all of the, the Lord of the Rings and especially the new Rings of Power series. Watch Party Wheel of Time, which is a bunch of screwballs, just have no idea what they're doing. But Black yeah. into the ether. And, uh, uh, of course, coming soon, we've got Watch Party Gaiman or Watch Party Sandman or Watch Party Endless or the Watch Party of... That one British guy that writes good stuff. I don't know. We're workshopping it. We'll figure out a name. We'll, we'll figure out what the lawyers will let us get away with. And that that is coming soon. Um, and uh, that's probably going to be our, our next release after we're done with this, re, with this uh, rewatch of season one. We're going to go over there and we are going to release uh, um, season one of Good Omens. So if you like the coverage that, that we do... Uh, and and you're into Neil Gaiman stuff and you like Good Omens, you're going to want to listen to that. And if you don't like any of that stuff, what the hell's wrong with you? Come join us over um, <laughs> on that show and get into it because Good Omens and 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 Sandman are fantastic shows. They're amazing. Amazing. And with all of that, final question for the panel. If they're going to remake the opening credits for season two, how would you like to see them remade or added to. So the credits for season one um, very much focused on, I mean, obviously you had the loom, but it, the, the final image very much focused on the Aes Sedai. And I really feel like season one was very centered on the White Tower and the different factions and the forces working against them and, you know, the history and the machinations and finding the dragon. For season two, I have said that I really want to learn more about the different cultures and different um, worlds and different countries. And, and so I really want the title card for season two to reflect that, maybe show some of still still with the emphasis on the loom and the wheel, but with with more focus on the different cultures that are coming together to make so so kind of the same opening with the loom but the the image it's making is a different image yeah, yeah exactly something that's more more centered around the focal point of season two which is hopefully you know exploring more of this planet okay i, I like it I'm, I'm digging it we're on the same wavelength today siobhan because i'm like i want a map 
you know? We've seen, <laughs> we've been introduced to so many places, but, you know, with the exception of the Borderlands, haven't really spent any time in them properly. Um, and with our seafaring enslavers coming to wipe somebody out, I, I want a map. And it can be weaved, woven. Yeah. You know, I, I really always wanted them to start the ser- the season with a map or the series credits with a map just because I feel like knowing where they are in the world is semi-important, mm-hmm. but I've always been one of those crazy people who loves looking at the maps in the books. Like when I would get a, a new Wheel of Time book, I would immediately like go to the title page and find out what we had maps of and then immediately go to those maps and study them because every book we got a, a map of a new city or something and it, it, it always just i love to pour over those maps yeah game of thrones um, kind of spoiled us for that there yeah, was and, and, that map was really effective yeah and, and that's where i was going is i think they wanted to distance themselves from being compared to game of thrones by not having a map in the opening but i think you know it works it, it should just be a fantasy trope now the opening is is the map of the the area because show me a fantasy book without a map and I'll show you a poorly selling fantasy book, you know? You have a point. <laughs> uh, the, we, we've got all the Aes Sedai uh, represented. Except. It's kind of the background, literally the background, but uh, they're, they're, they're missing an Aja. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, certainly you do. Of course you do. Uh, no, no. Yes, uh, the, the, you, do, the, this, you know. You just won't tell us because you're just a bastard. Why won't you uh, tell no, us? This this official press release that I have here from, <laughs> from the White Tower press office says that there are seven Ajas, and that's what we see represented on there. But that's what they want you to believe. We cannot confirm or deny the existence. That's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> there is absolutely nothing in Area 51. It's <laughs> Sorry, I'm a whole black Aja, uh, you know conspiracy theorist so that's what big aja wants you to believe <laughs> 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 <laughs>